The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. It's the cry that's going around the world these last few days. As most of us are aware, there was a pretty traumatic and newsworthy shipwreck recently. The cruise liner Costa Concordia shipwrecked right off the coast of Italy. Twelve dead, twenty missing. Been very much to do about it in the news, especially because of the actions of Captain Francesco Schletting. As we all know, Captain Schletting was accused of abandoning ship, he was accused of cowardice, of leaving his people and seeking safety. But there's also a new hero, and that's where this cry, get back to the boat, comes from. And it's from the Italian Coast Guard Captain Gregorio Di Falco, right? And he, when he learned of the captain's abandonment, when he spoke to him over the radio, he said, get back to the boat, get back to the boat. He didn't exactly say get back to the boat. He said something that's really not fitting for mixed company or in a church. (laughs) But you get the picture, get back to the boat. And it really has become a cry around Europe. It's become a cry over social media sites and protest sites, especially with the European economy in severe and serious trouble, with Greece on the verge of economic collapse. It's become a cry for much more than the Costa Concordia and its captain. Get back on the boat. And we wonder, or I wondered at least, why do... They say captains have to go down with their ship. Why must captains be the last off the boat? And I did a little research, not exhaustive, so if I leave something out, that's why. 
But I did learn that in the merchant marines or merchant vessels, there's a handbook, a duty for licensing and things like that, where the captain vows to do, to take every single measure possible to save the ship and the cargo and the passengers. So in that way, the captain is legally responsible to do everything possible to make sure the passengers are off board. So he would obviously be the last, he or she, to make sure the cargo, every effort has been possible has been made and the ship itself. So those are the reasons, I guess legally, what I could find where the duties are for the captain to exit the ship last. He needs to make sure that every single thing has been done. But then there's also an honor code. And that's where the captain must go down with the ship comes from. And that is where the captain is seen as more than the protector or the legal representative of the ship and the cargo. But the captain is seen as the leader. He's seen as the one with the most experience. He's seen as the one that must be honored highest. And he must serve those he, among those who honor him. So in that sense, it's a sense of honor and duty and loyalty and love that is implied when the captain refuses to leave his ship. Refuses to leave and goes down and drowns with the ship instead of leaving. Not legal, but there's reasons of honor and loyalty involved with that. So it's something to think about. And I'm going to make a little bit of sermon gymnastics, if you will. I'm going to jump to Jonah in the well. Because God gives Jonah the same cry as Captain Gregorio gave to the abandoning, abandoning captain. Get back to the ship, Jonah. Get back. Go to Nineveh. As we all know, uh, the prophet Jonah, when he is called by God, God tells him to go to Nineveh and to call the people there to repentance. What does Jonah do? Turns tail and runs exactly 180 degrees the other way. As fast and as hard as he can run. So God calls, Jonah runs. And we know that he tells the, the merchant sailors on that boat what, what he has done, that he's running from his God. And a great and tempestuous storm comes up. And they start throwing everything overboard. But not Jonah. Jonah's sleeping in the hold below. He's not worried at all. In fact, he kind of wishes he would die because he would rather die than go to Nineveh to call people to repentance who are not Israelite. So he has a lot of nationalistic pride. And he would rather himself die than do God's bidding, than do God's will. So he himself has an extreme act of cowardice. The reason he does this, we learn, is because he knows that the Ninevites will repent. And he doesn't want that. So they, he then, when he has a confrontation with the men, merchant sailors on this boat, he asks to be thrown into the sea. He wants to die. We see very clearly his cowardice. So what happens? He gets thrown overboard and he's eaten by a great fish, right? Or a whale, if you're in Bible school, or if you're old school, he's eaten by a Leviathan and he stays in the belly of the Leviathan, the great fish for three days. And is there, he repents. Is there, he re-consecrates, renews his life to God and he is spit up on shore and that's where we catch up today. God tells him to go to Nineveh, call the people to repentance. And he does. Get back to the ship. And he does. Now, the early church used the book of the prophet Jonah very readily 
It was relied on very heavily in a lot of early sermons, early writings, in the early symbols. And it was symbolic of baptism, of death, and new life. We go down in the waters, we die, we're born to new life. Symbolic of the resurrection. Jonah was in the belly of the Leviathan in the depths of chaos for three days. He rises, goes to the Gentiles, goes to those who are not Israelite, goes to the world and calls it to repentance and saves Nineveh. Now, there's another image that the church also used very early on. was the image of a ship as well. Not a whale, but a ship. That's why the area that from where I'm standing to the back door is called the nave. For those of you who've been through confirmation or other things, you, you might know this or have heard this. Nave. Nave is an old word that means ship, like a naval fleet, a, a fleet of ships. So this is called the nave. This is our own womb, our protection from the violent world around us. So we would call the, the church a ship, a ship that is, provides protection and safety. Now, it's from the boat that Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John are called. They are called from the, the ship, the fishing ship, to the ship of salvation. They are called to do something very specific. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They're called to evangelize, to bring the world to the good news of God and Jesus Christ. They are called, they are themselves called to evangelize. To bring people into the church, into the ship. They are called to bring people to salvation. They are called to go into the world and call on it to repent like Jonah. Now we're all given the same exact charge as Simon and Andrew and John and James. We are called at our core. It is foundational to what we do and who we are as Christians to evangelize. To go out into all the world. To call people to the good news of God and Jesus Christ. To call people to salvation. But in our own area and in our own church, we have some pretty substantial problems or hang-ups with evangelism, don't we? For many, it's a bad word. It's unpleasant. And that's to do with our upbringing. As you know, not many of us here today are cradle Episcopalians or born Episcopalians. Most of us come from somewhere else. And a lot of those somewhere else places we come from, it's beat into your head or people at least tell me, uh, being a cradle Episcopalian, uh, people tell me that that is the the only focus of the church is to get people to come to church. It's sort of like, uh, it's to see how many souls you can save and things like that and it's beat into your head. And there's also a negative side to that, right? Uh, where, well, I don't know, have you not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? So there's sort of a, a condemnation that goes with evangelization as well. It's drilled into your head. And so for many people, they have bad memories of that. And so they like to be here where we don't do that at all, right? <laughs> and then there's also, even in our area, there's the thought that there is no need. I talk to people uh, often who say, well, we don't really need to evangelize. We're in Jones County. We got more churches here than anywhere. We have more churches than anywhere. But did you know that more than 50% of the zip codes 394401 and 3 do not go to church, do not associate with any congregation? So that's not a good excuse. But we still have the mindset that we don't need to. The work has been done. And then we too 
perhaps, at least I will speak for myself, have suffered from sort of the cowardice of Jonah. Not willing to approach people, embarrassed to approach people. Well, I don't want to talk to him about that. We're at this, you know, we're out at a restaurant, we're at the mall, we're somewhere else. And I don't really want to talk to people about that. We have a, not a, we have a willingness or an unwillingness to approach people about our faith and about Jesus. Some people, to be downright honest, we don't want to talk to about Jesus, right? Or I've seen that in my life. We're like Jonah. I don't want to talk to them. So there's a lot of problems with evangelization we have. And this morning, we are called back to the boat. Jesus called the disciples back to the boat. The church calls us back to the boat. We call the world back to the boat. That's what it's all about today. Evangelizing. The foundational principle that we as Christians are called to bring others to the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. We are called to bring others into the church, into the ship, the nave, the society of salvation. That's our duty, our highest calling. It's foundational to who we are. Get back on the boat. So let us remember that always when we become uneasy with evangelism. Listen to the church. It's very direct in what it calls us to and how it calls us to it. We are to call people to get back on the boat. We are to ourselves listen to the church and where we are in error, where we are uncomfortable, where we are cowardice. Listen to the church as it calls us to get back on the boat. For we too must be captains, heroic captains. We must fulfill our duties. We must live heroic lives where we care for the well-being of others first. We must live lives of mercy where we value others before ourselves. We must live lives of joy and peace and happiness where we value these things and others first because of our love for God. That is what it is to get back to the boat. So let us pray this morning, brothers and sisters. Let us hear the words of Captain Gregorio, who calls us, as God calls us, to get back on the boat, to fulfill our duties, to be heroic, to be compassionate, to be joy-filled, to be merciful, to remain loyal to our calling. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.